0: Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2. I meant to give this prayer request. We were going to stop on the way home from the wedding, the re-wedding, or the real wedding, uh, Sunday morning, and not be here and go to Mike Norris's church. But he has COVID and his whole staff has it. So guess what? Ms. Rebecca won't stop. No, we're not, we're not stopping, amen? And so we're going to try to make it here uh, Sunday morning, and uh, we need to pray for them the whole staff's got it and um, the reason we know is because they were going to be up there with the wedding where we're, we're going to have the wedding at this camp and they counseled and brother adam told us about it and so uh, please pray for that wedding that's going to take place uh, saturday night five thirty eastern daylight savings time amen it's good to have the kozels back where the where the air is fr- fresh amen they've been out west and it's been fogged in, amen. They went out there to see the stars and get some fresh air and the whole place is on fire out there. And if they don't stop touching God's church, it's gonna be some more fire, amen. So let's pray for uh, Brother Trever and the church, slips my mind, the name of the church, what is it? Anybody know? North Valley. Wood Valley? North, North Valley. Valley, yeah, North Valley Baptist Church. So please pray for them. They're going through a t- time and a trial. Last week we preached First Thessalonians chapter 1, this week we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses about 1 through 6, but I want to review, I want to review a little bit, and uh, that review might take a while, so we might not get into all of uh, that, but we take our time when we go through a book study, and I uh, appreciate that testimony, Brother Olson, and we want to have you back preach, I'd like to have preach a whole sermon, amen, and uh, your wife will interpret or... Or I'll interpret, and you don't want me to interpret. Amen. And so, uh, every time I preach up at uh, uh, Harvest, I'm not sh- uh, when you're on a foreign field, you the, the interpreter stops. But I don't know if I'm going too fast or too slow, or if I finished or whatever. And so, it's probably the hardest way to preach that I've ever preached is with a deaf interpreter. But I love preaching up there at their chapel services. They invite me quite often. I appreciate it. All right, First Thessalonians chapter one, we discovered that. Um, the key of this chapter is the word in the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace be unto you and peace, verse 1, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. And every epistle, the Apostle Paul commends these three attributes. Not nickels, not noses, not dimes, not facilities. He always commends the church for three things. And here they are. In verse uh, 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Is this turned on? Yes. Amen. And it says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came out to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and much assurance, as ye you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. This is just reading in review so, you'll, so we can connect one and two. And you became followers of us as of the Lord, having received the word of, in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to, to all that believed in Macedonia and Acadia, and from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Acadia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what matter of entering in we had unto you and how you turn to God from idols to serve a living, God, living and true God. Sounds like repentance to me. And to wait, here's the key, on the second coming, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now let's stand in honor of the word of God. I'm not going to let you out of that. We'll read verses 1 through 6 of chapter 2, and hopefully we'll get there. It says, For yourselves... Brethren, know our interest unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that ye had suffered before, and we were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak and do the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of the gospel, here's a sacred trust, to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattery words, as we not a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. God is witness. Nor a men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have burdensome as the apostles of Christ. You may be seated as I pray. Father, Thank you for the second coming. We don't preach on it often enough. And I pray, dear God, that you'd do something tonight, miraculous in our hearts, that we'd start anticipating the soon coming of the Lord. Lord, I can't think of a doctrine that is more powerfully uh, powerful in changing our lives than the doctrine of the second coming. And Lord, I pray that we would live as if this is our last day on this earth, that we would have priorities that showed that we believe in the second coming. And God, the rapture is going to take place any minute. And God, we ought to pray and be the kind of Christians that we ought to be and the kind of church that we ought to be. So Lord, please bless this message. Use it for your glory. And we're going to praise you and thank you. If the trumpet sounds tonight, that we could hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Thank you for our missionary being with us tonight. Bless his family. Bless his burden for the death, the lost death around the world. and God give him means to be there. We're going to praise you and thank you for what you're doing and through this message in Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, we, or last Wednesday, we dealt with the individual, verse by verse, about what kind of Christian you ought to be. Well, I want to deal tonight about what kind of church we ought to be, what kind of church we ought to be if we believe we're uh, in the last days. First of all, we need to be a church that's saved. The Bible says in verse three, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Thank God we got in by faith. We'll be sustained by faith. Praise God, we can be strengthened by faith. And praise the Lord, we're gonna enter by faith. And I, I believe with all my heart, we ought to believe that Jesus is coming, amen? And it says, in the Lord Jesus Christ, And folks, the word, the phrase in Christ is mentioned 132 times in the gospels by the apostle Paul, mostly 132 times are in the new Testament. Excuse me. Let me quote that right. 132 times in the new Testament, the phrase or the two words in Christ. See, listen, friend, you will not go to heaven because you're in the church. You'll not go to heaven because you got in the baptistry, Camelites, You'll go to heaven because you're in Christ. And you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the triad of Christian virtues is found in verse 3. And he knew they were saved. He knew they were saved. And he commended them for the way they lived. They, they They had faith. And they had love. And they had hope. And folks, the greatest of these, of course, is love. And folks, they had faith that labored. They had love that was patient and they had hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to tell you something, if you're saved, there ought to be three attributes in your life, there ought to be love, there ought to be faith, and there ought to be hope. We ought to be a hopeful people, amen? And I want to tell you what we ought to be hoping in. We ought to be hoping in the soon exodus of our life from this old earth. I believe with all my heart, every prophecy has been fulfilled for the rapture of his church. I believe there's not a thing that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture. Now, there's several things going to have to be fulfilled in the tribulation for the second coming. But I want to tell you something, friend. Thank God. Thank God we know that without a doubt that we're saved by grace because we're in Christ Jesus. Amen. Timothy came back and had a fantastic report in chapter 3 of 1 uh, Thessalonians. You'll see what he said about the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. He said, but Now, when Timotheus or Timothy came from you unto us and brought us a good tidings of what? Your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in our affliction and distress by your faith. I wanna ask you a question. Do you think somebody's comforted by your faith? Do you think somebody in these last days is comforted by your love. And then here's the big question. Do you think somebody's comforted by your hope? Some people have lost hope during this pandemic. Some people have lost all kinds of uh, joy and peace and they're just depressed all the time and giving up and, and uh, wilting away. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be hopeful people and helpful people and loving people. Timothy had a good report. And folks, I hope we have a good report when we get to the judgment of Christ. Then second of all, the church of Thessalonica was a surrendered church. Look in verse 6. The Bible says, And it became followers of us as of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Holy Ghost. It's obvious that this, this was a regenerated church. You know, there's a lot of people who joined the church, and that's all they joined. Uh, a lot of people, they go, they go through the uh, rituals. They take the Lord's Supper and think it's going to turn into the body of Christ, Catholics, and, and, and get saved by that uh, uh, ordinance and folks that are sacrament—they call it—and that is a false religion. That is a false doctrine, and that's not salvation. That's a work. Some people think because they get baptized, uh, they're they saved. But that's a false. That's a work. You're not saved by works. You're saved by the work of the cross of Calvary. Amen. But look at this. It says followers of us. That's a little strange, and you know that could turn, come across a little egotistic. But I want to tell you something. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. And so, folks, I want you to see him. When he gets in chapter 2, he starts validifying his ministry. He starts validifying his ministry and his testimony. And I want to tell you something. He was saying, hey, listen, if I'm not living it and I'm not walking it, I'm a reproach on the whole church. And so are you. And so am I. And so, folks, we need to walk the walk. We need to get it in gear in these last days. The word follower, follow, the Greek word is m- m- mimatea, which means mimic, where we get our word mimic. And folks, the church was surrendered to one thing, to be like Christ. That's what we ought to be. Amen? Not like Paul, not like Wayne, not like Randy, not like John. We are to be like Christ. Amen? Look at 1 John chapter 2, please. 1 John chapter 2. Good crowd tonight. Praise the Lord. This is good. I thought I'd be preaching to about five or six people because so many people back in um, Master Club. Amen, but y'all are here. That's good. Thank the Lord. Encouraging. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. Sister interpreter, I hope I'm not going too fast. I'll preach your hands off. Okay, good. All right, good. Uh, Sometimes I get going too fast. Amen. 1 John 2, 6, the Bible says this. It says, He that saith he abideth in him, himself also to walk even as he walked. You hear it? It says, he that saith." Now that phrase is mentioned about 30 times in the book of 1 John. And folks, it, a lot. Of, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to walk it. And I want to tell you something. We need to be surrendered, folks. We need to be surrendered to what we need to be and who we ought to be like, and that's Jesus. The key to the Christian life is to follow Jesus, to mimic Jesus, uh, to do like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Great book by Shelton, In His Steps, my first uh, youth retreat many thousands of years ago. That was our theme as we went went off to camp in um, Apaca, Florida, Brother Miller. That's where we went to camp, and uh, all the way from Claxton, Georgia, down to Apaca, Florida. And... uh, I'll never forget it. They didn't have hot water in the showers. We suffered for Jesus that week. Amen. But thank God it was in Florida. But anyway, I want you to know, friend, we need to follow in his steps. And his steps are very clear. They were steps of surrender. They were steps of surrender to the cross of Calvary. There were steps of love for you and me. Praise God, no one's ever loved you like Jesus. And folks, if there's anyone worthy to give your life for and to die for, it's Jesus Christ. We get our word Uh, martyr from the word witness in the New Testament. And so, folks, the church should do one thing, and that's to be in tune with Jesus. Um, Tozer said this, if you had a 100 pianos and you wanted to tune a 100 pianos, you just start tuning one to another, you're in trouble. It'll be a mess. You'll be so out of tune, you'll never get them back in tune. But if you have one tuning fork, and you tune that one piano, and then you tune another piano, and another piano to that tuning fork, then they'll all be in tune, not only with the tuning fork, but they'll be in tune with each other. Say amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. When you're surrendered to Christ, you ought to be able to get along with somebody. Say amen. If you're surrendered to Christ, you ought to love like Christ. Amen. Hey, friend, you, you surrender to Christ, then you ought to uh, walk the walk and not just talk the talk in total surrender. Mimic him. And then number three, the church of Thessalonica was a suffering church. In verse 6 of this first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, it says, "It says, and you became followers of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. You hear that? In much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. One time I went out knocking on doors and this guy with me got saved a couple of months before I led him Lord uh, while he worked under his Ford on Labor Day right in his front yard. He got saved. I got under there with him. And Bill Quarles got saved. He had a tragic end to his life, tragic. But he went out soul winning with me and he said, preacher, you think we'll get shot? I said, what? He said, you think we'll get shot? He was scared to death. He thought he was going to get shot knocking on the door. I said, no, you won't get shot. I said, probably the only thing you'll get hurt is your feelings, maybe. And he said, well, I guess it's worth getting your feelings hurt for since Jesus went to the cross. That was a new convert saying, hey, I think it was worth getting hurt for if Jesus went to the cross. Our little feelings get hurt sometimes. And folks, I want you to know that, thank God, the church was a suffering church. They were persecuted. They were, they were beat and they were starved and they were humiliated and they were killed and they were in prison and we, You can't imagine what they went through. And uh, they had a, a, a work of faith, a labor of love, and patience of hope. Faith Hope and love. And folks, the virtue of all this was that they testified that they loved Christ, that they were saved. Folks, does your faith, does your love and your hope tell the world that they're saved? And folks, I want to say this, with all my heart, the Lord's coming soon and those left behind, if they've heard the gospel, are going to believe a delusion and they're going to be lost forever. And the tribulation is the waiting room to hell and so the church was saved, and the church was surrendered to Christ's likeness, and the church was faithful in persecution. Now, probably the only thing you're going to get hurt is your feelings if you go out and knock on the door, or hand out a tract. Somebody won't like you, somebody will call you a fanatic. But, folks, I want to tell you something more important than people going out protesting and doing all this stuff for justice, we ought to go out and confess that the only peace that they'll ever have is Jesus Christ. What we need to do is crowd the churches and the altars, not the streets, to get justice and to get love and to get mercy and get the truth to come out. We're a place of the truth. I like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37. It tells us at the end of the chapter, and we just went through that chapter for six months or maybe five during this pandemic, but Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, and others. It talks about all of them suffering, and they were sold asunder, and they were they were persecuted, they were, and they were killed for Christ's sake. And so, folks, the Christian life's not easy, and it's not always fun, but it's worth it. And we ought to be holy Christians in these last days. And uh, listen, the only church of the seven churches of Revelation, the only church that had no sin mentioned about it, was the church of Smyrna. It was a church that was under great persecution. So the church should be a compassionate conscious of the community. I'm not talking about obnoxious conscious. but Folks, we ought to have something about our life that the world sees different so they'll get on a conviction that they need to be saved. The world needs a clear picture of Jesus Christ. A clear picture. Then fifth of all, the church of Thessalonians... Thessalonica was a soul winning church. In verse seven it says, so they were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. We got examples of what a Christian life's all about and it says that they were sounding out and that word means echo. They were echoing. Paul was saying you echoed the word of life. You repeated the gospel to lost and dying world. It's a good thing. Uh, for a Christian to have a good testimony. Amen? And uh, the church of Thessalonica was a, was a second coming church. They believed the Lord could come any minute. Look at verse three. It says, remember without hearing the, your, your work of faith and your labor of love and the patience in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God and our Father. But it goes on down real quick and it says in verse 10, in verse 10 it says, and to wait for his son From heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Wait is not passive. Wait is like a servant. Wait is like a student. Wait is like a messenger. We wait on the message and we take it. We wait on the the truth and we distribute it. Folks, waiting is not sitting on a pew and warming it the rest of your life. It's filling that pew with lost sinners and telling people they need to be saved. But I want to get to the main part of the lesson. But I want to I want to give this illustration that D. L. Moody gave. He said that a man dreamed that he died and went to heaven, and when he got to heaven, the uh, angel uh, had him look over into the world, and they, he saw all these people falling off this great cliff uh, to damnation. And he said, "Look at those people down there," and they all had blindfolds on in his dream. They were blinded as they walked towards this pit of fire. And he looked at this man, the angel did, and said, would you go back and tell them? And I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to long to go to heaven, but we ought to long while we're on this earth to get people saved, to tell people about the Lord. And I want to tell you what, there is a movement going on today of the seeker-sensitive church that I believe is dealt with in chapter two. We ought to be a Savior-sensitive church, not a seeker-sensitive church. A lot of people take surveys on what to preach. Can you imagine Moses going door to door saying, what should I preach? One or ten commandments. No, he got his message from God, say amen. He got his message from the Lord, and it wasn't always nice. It was thou shall not. But I want to tell you something that was needed. So I want you to see the philosophy of the seeker-sensitive church movement and it's deceitful and we're in the last days and it's taken over communities the largest church in every community now is a seeker sensitive church it's a contemporary church you'll just take It used to be the catholic church and then it used to be a long time ago an independent fundamental baptist church that one souls. but today if you go to every town there's a one-name church not baptist and it's always the seeker-sensitive church. It's the entertainment church. It's have fun church. It's come as you are and leave as you are. Now, folks, when you worship God, you don't leave like you came. You see Jesus, you are changed. It's called Holy Ghost conviction. Can somebody say amen? And look at this. the Bible. We don't need a better self. We just need, a, we just need to get a better glimpse of heaven and the Savior. I want you to go to chapter 2, and this is the main point tonight. We need to see that the church is a sound church, a pure church. Look at verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our interest into you that it was not in vain. You know what he was saying? I lived what I preach. I, I want to defend my integrity. Now, if a preacher loses his integrity, he's lost it. I, that's why I believe that when these ch- uh, preachers fall into adultery and they they, they fall into Uh, financial uh, crookedness and all kinds of things um, is that their ministry is finished until they restore themselves. And sometimes it's never to the point where they can really pastor with authority. And and, uh, I know God gives a second chance, but there's something awesome about being a shepherd and a leader. And it's an awesome responsibility to stay pure and to stay holy and keep our marriages what it ought to be. So we sense that Paul was testing or testifying of his integrity look at look at he said it was not in vain and he says but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated as you know of philippi we were bold in our god he never quit he had integrity and then it goes on to say we speak unto you the gospel of god with much contention well, you know what he was saying? He said saying it's not easy to preach the gospel to a lost and jeering world. And folks, he, 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 Paul senses uh, that people are challenging who he is. And they called him a crook and they called him a, uh, insane, just as they called Jesus that. But he reminded them that his ministry was not deceitful. That his ministry was a ministry not of guile. Look at verse 3. For our exhortation was not deceit. It was not deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. Folks, what that means is this. There was a temple at Thessalonica that was definitely a place of deceit. There was false gods that they were worshiping. But the philosophy today is false too. There's a seeker-sensitive movement going on in America. And it's been going on for years. The church today are telling folks, come just as you are, just as you are. And we welcome anybody, earrings, tattoos, bones in their nose, I don't care. As long as they get under the sound of the gospel, say amen. Masked on, praise God, come on. But listen, I'm going to tell you something, friend. They ought to not hear a message that would soothe their sin, and they ought to have compassion towards them and love towards them, but they ought to have a sermon that would preach to them that they need to be saved and they're sinners and that we love them and we love them just as they are but we don't think that Lord wants to keep them just as they are there needs to be a radical change it's called salvation I don't know about you but when I met Jesus my life changed and I'll tell you this the evidence of being saved is a changed life it's fruit that remains the Savior sensitive ministry not a seeker sensitive we ought to be a savior-sensitive ministry. What pleases God should be the question tonight, not what pleases you or what pleases me. And I want to tell you something. We have made the congregation sovereign in a lot of churches. I hope not in this one. And they dictate to the preacher what they want to hear. It's itching ears in the last days. And they consume it upon their own lust. And folks, we need thus saith the Lord, They play the world's music. I don't think it ought to be in the house of God. I really don't. You say, well, I do. Well, I don't know what you're doing here, but you ought to get used to this old sacred music, amen? Amen. And I want to tell you something, the hymns, like Fanny J. Crosby memorized the first five books of the Bible, Psalms, Psalm of Solomon, and half the New Testament. That's the kind of singer I want to hear, say amen. Now, I'm not against courses. I just sung one, amen? That's probably uh, a, a recent song, I don't know when it was written. But I want you to know this, friend. We don't need the world's music and we don't need entertainment to draw sinners to the house of God. What we need is the gospel. And folks, I want to tell you something. We also need to stay by the word of God. The word of God. I believe the King James Version is the preserved, inerrant word of God. And I believe it's preserved for the English-speaking people. Say amen, brother. Jeremy, if you've ever amen me. And I want to say this is that you can tell a church when they start watering down and risking the scriptures. And folks, if the music's wrong, usually it'll sooner or later the word will be wrong and the preaching will be wrong. It'll all be one happy gathering and just come as you are and that's their theme. You don't have to dress up. We don't even like the word church anymore. We don't use the H word, which I saw in a, an ad recently. We don't use the H word at our church. They're talking about hell. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus preached on it 13 times. So I believe we ought to mention the word hell. Amen, because it is a real place. It's mentioned 83 times in the scripture. Are we gonna cut it out of the scripture? And so folks, there's a seeker-sensitive contemporary movement going on today, and I believe it's of deceit. I believe it's of deceit. Churches there are telling folks um, that the word of God's not correct, the music's not correct, old-fashioned religion's not correct, uh, your worship's not correct, and even the word church and definitely Baptist is not correct. Let's change it and just have a gathering. And come as you are, and you'll leave worse than you came because you'll think you're okay. I read a book when I was in college called I'm Okay, You're Okay. Craziest book I ever read. I was a business major, I didn't know what I was write, reading that book for anyway. I'm okay, you're okay. No, we're not okay, we're sinners. And we need, the only one that's okay is Jesus Christ. He's perfect, say amen. And the only way get to get uh, to God is through Jesus' blood because he took your sin and he took your sin debt. And there is a hell to miss and there is a heaven uh, to gain one day when we're saved. Amen, and there is a book. This is the authority of this church. Not Wayne Cofield, I started church 43 years ago, but I'm not the authority. This book is the authority. Amen. And folks, when I preach this book, it's right. It's always right. It's never wrong. And folks, we'll stay with the book. You'll be right. And so deceiving from the scripture admonition. Uh, folks, listen, it's deceiving not to have a changed life when you get under the sound of the gospel. It's deceiving. Look at Romans 12.2. You knew I was going to go there. Romans 12.2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's verse one. That you present your body a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable servant. She's fast. But look at this, verse two. It says this, and be not conformed to this world. That's not a suggestion, that's a command. Paul's saying, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We shouldn't even think like the world. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't act like the world. We shouldn't be entertained by, like the world. And we shouldn't let the world draw us out of church. And we surely shouldn't bring the world into this place called a church. So the young people will feel cool. Folks, God didn't call us to feel cool. God called us to follow him and be Christ-like. Look at this. That ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, you know the verse, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ he is a new creature, old things pass away. Behold, all things come new. I believe when you get saved, you get a new want to. Amen. If you don't want to come to church, you need to check up and see if you're saved. If you don't love God's people, you need to check up and see, who, see why you love the world so much. Folks, I want to tell you something. He gives you a new appetite. Say amen. Amen. When you grow up, too, you get off that pablum, that milk, and praise God, you start grabbing uh, cookies and, and ice cream and steak the other day I was, somebody sent me a little video of silas a little baby they're praying for it's going to be in an important trial this monday on where he's going to live his future and we don't want him to go back to the drug culture we don't want him to go back there we're praying but the other day the other day they sent me a video of the little old fella and he was eating a cookie i said man love how can an eight month old baby eat a cookie Praise God, I guess I was eating cookies at age too. But he'd fall asleep. And then he'd wake up and take a bite and then fall asleep again. He'd take but he'd fall asleep again. He had an appetite for that cookie, amen. He was passing out, but then he'd wake up real quick and eat another piece of that cookie. I said, you know, that's the way I am with cookies. <laughs> but anyway, listen, thank God for an appetite, say amen. That proves you're growing up, say amen. Thank God you like steak and not those. Hey, how many's ever had a little green jar of what called they call baby food? I wouldn't eat that if I was dying. Well, I guess I would, but amen. You know, that stuff stinks, and that stuff doesn't taste good. No wonder those babies spew it out all over the place, amen? I like it when you can, you can pick your own meal and get collard greens and mashed potatoes, meatloaf and black-eyed peas and cornbread. That shows you're growing up, say so, amen, and you live in the South. But I don't say this, friend. Folks, you ought to have an appetite. A healthy person wants to eat. They say if you get that COVID, that you don't want to eat. They say if you get that COVID, you lose your taste. How many is there? I'm not. I'm telling you that. I went to the doctor the other day and said, we want to congratulate you. You had not lost a pound. I said, thank God. Have I gained it? He says, no, you had not gained any either. I said, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I did take my shoes off, my shirt, my (laughs) pants, my tie, my phone, my hat. Emptied my wallet, everything, you know. I really didn't take my pants off. But I will tell you something. I wanted to weigh in light. And I to tell you something. I know I ain't got that COVID. I hope I never get it because I've got an appetite. And my wife knows I'm sick when I don't have an appetite. She knows I, she needs to call the doctor, call 911. He's dying. He can't because I eat. I've cut it down. I'm going to die now. I've cut it down to three meals a day. Amen. But I to tell you something. If you're healthy, you want to eat. If you're a healthy Christian, you want to be in church and you want to read the Bible and you want to hear godly music. You don't want the world because the world never did anything for you. Pardon the double negative. Folks, to attract a crowd to church by encouraging them just to come as they are and leave like they want to and not to practice old fashioned Christianity and turn from their sin is pragmatism. Pragmatism means this get a crowd no matter what it takes be hard today to get a crowd, I'll tell you that. And folks said, hey, listen, the Braves get a crowd or they would get a crowd. They're losing millions of dollars every day. So this stuff's got to be real or they wouldn't be shutting it down. I heard three coaches on the NFL got fined $100,000 for taking their mask off. Some of y'all would have made it. Y'all would already be bankrupt. Because you're going to take the stinking thing off, I know. But I want to tell you something, friend. They, they already had it, so they thought they were allowed to take it, take it down to the neck. It cost them $100,000. One hundred thousand dollars, but I want to tell you something, friend. We don't we don't need to be entertained by sports at it. We don't need to we don't need to call them spiritual because drawing a crowd doesn't make you spiritual. Here's what makes you spiritual: Christ likeness. Christ likeness. It sums it up tonight. I'm closing. My time's up. I'm supposed to let you out early because all this, but folks. We're not trying to track with the world. We're trying to bring people into the house of God with the word. There's a big difference. And I want to tell you something, I could already pack this place out five times if I'd just loosen up a little bit, drop all our standards, get some worldly music in here, the crowd would come, let them wear the little slit blue jeans, you know, just come on in here and, you know, attract to the flesh. Oh, it would pack out. I guarantee it'd pack out. Because people love that kind of lust. And they love that kind of flesh. But we're not going to do it. We're going to stick with the word. We're going to stick with Christ honor our music. And we're going to stick with, hey, sin is sin and turn from it. But praise God, the Savior is the Savior. Love him and follow him and adore him. And realize he paid the price for your sin. I want you to close with this. Look at verse 3. It says this, nor uncleanliness. That was all in deceit. He said, our ministry was not a deceitful one to get attention to myself. He wasn't glorying for himself. He was glorying in God. We don't need celebrities for Christ. We need servants. We don't need any more celebrities. Well, the praise team was off today. Well, I want to tell you something, friend. The choir is going to be on as soon as they start singing again. It's going to be old-fashioned songs. Look at this. It says, or uncleanliness, nor of guile. Folks, there's moral purity. A life changing ministry, not come as you are and leave as you are. The next, Brother Joel, there's moral purity. Folks, unclean, morally pure. Folks, that Paul fought the flesh, he stayed pure, and God resounded his testimony. And, folks, not only was he morally pure, but he was sound in his motive. Look at verse 5. It says, but neither at any time use we flattery words. Flattery always brings people to yourself. You always want to flatter people so they'll say, oh, I like you. And it's not that hard to like people that flatter you all the time. There's another word for that. And as you know, nor the cloak of covetousness. He wasn't in it for the money. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory. Neither of you nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostle of Christ. Folks, what is he saying? He was saying, this is not man-centered. Folks, the church should not be man-centered. That's what Laodicean in church means. And folks, listen, there's seminars on how to, for pastors to be taught how to please men and draw them in the draw crowds in if you just know how to love people and appreciate people. And you ought to do all that. But at the same time, don't compromise. There's courses today you can go to of how to survey the community and find some market analysis of your prospects. And by the market analysis, you'll find out what they're interested in and what they want to hear. And if you'll preach that and promote that, they will come by the thousands. What do you have? Folks, we need to survey Jesus and find out what he wants preached. We need to survey Jesus and find out what he wants sung. We need to survey Jesus and find out what kind of music he wants in his church. And folks, we need to pray. We need to go to the word of God. We need to realize that we're not in it for any man. And we're not in it for any glory. We should make the message understandable, but not water it down to appeal to the flesh. Let me give you one more verse. You got time? Galatians 1 verse 10. Galatians 1 verse 10. I'm on. I'm going to give it to you if you have to leave. Amen. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians chapter one, verse 10 in closing. Look at this. The Bible says this. For do I now persuade men or God? Or Do I seek to please men? Or if I I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That's just a powerful verse. That verse is saying, hey, Listen. You need to follow God. And we need, to, we need to realize preachers are challenged to follow flesh and follow the crowd. And I'll just close with this thought. Our target audience should be God. We ought to preach for God. We ought to minister unto the Lord. Acts 13, verse four. Most neglected ministry in the house of God is the ministry unto the Lord. What to sing unto the Lord. What a preach unto the Lord. Brother Jason was commenting on how tough it was to teach because nobody was in this auditorium Sunday morning when he was teaching. I mean, not even the sound man showed up. I think he did. Well, he didn't see him back there because he was hid behind the screen, Brother Cody. You need to stand up and shout once in a while. Amen. No. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, Man, it was tough. I said, Well, that's when you just got to preach unto the Lord. Amen. Preach for the Lord. And there was at least two people that tuned in so he wasn't preaching to nobody. Me and mother was watching. But anyway, I want you to know this. Our target audience should be God. It's not the business of the church to adapt Christ to men. Last last slide, please. I'll give you this quote. It's not the business of the church to adapt Christ to men, but men to Christ. We're not to water it down to get a crowd. We're not to water it down so I can get some glory around here and be popular. Become a celebrity. You know, sign autographs when I go down the road. That's not God's purpose. We're to be servants. And Christ is sovereign, not the congregation. You know what that means? The congregation doesn't tell this preacher what to preach. Christ does. Amen. Now I'll listen to your comments. I'll listen to your criticism. But I will tell you something, friend. When it comes down to it, there's a circle around this pulpit and God's got to tell me what to preach. And God's got to show me how to preach it. And folks, I am accountable to him more than I am to y'all. And I will to tell you something, friend. I appreciate y'all because I've been here at the same place 42 and a half years and y'all have been so submissive and so encouraging and so faithful that it's helped me to stay here And preach, thus saith the Lord. So I appreciate you. And you've been a blessing to me and to my family. But I want to tell you something, friend. Just because we can't stay up with the one-name church uptown don't mean we're not spiritual. We need to be faithful. We need to be not deceitful. And we need to do it all for the glory of God. Preach. Preach, preach Christ and him crucified. And God will bless. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture that's so relevant in these last days because we know where people are flocking. We know where people are attending. And we know, dear God, that it's hard and it's discouraging sometimes. But Lord, we know that we're not here to just get a big crowd. God, we're here to be like Christ. But we do pray for more souls. God, we need laborers. We need assistant teachers in every class. We need junior church teachers. God, we need a lot of, we need, a, we, need, we need more deacons, more servants. We need more preachers. God, we need more bus captains and bus leaders. We need a lot of laborers. And so, Lord, we're praying for growth. We're praying that you'll send laborers because the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. But God forbid that we compromise to get them. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us not to be a seeker-sensitive church, but a savior-sensitive church, and that we'd always please you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'll dismiss in just a few minutes. But hand me say, preacher, tonight, I want to be proof, positive evidence that Christ is real in my life. I want to be different i don't want to be obnoxious i don't want to be looking down my nose at everybody like a lot of people think independent baptists do but i want to be so christ-like and so spirit-filled that people know by my faith by my love and by my hope in christ jesus is real i want to see my loved ones get saved and my workmates i want god to use me as your prayer tonight would you slip your hand up real high for prayer god bless you all over this place. That's why I love to preach to y'all. You're so responsive. But I don't preach just for your response. I want God to be pleased with the night. Is there anyone here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven, I'd go to hell. And I need to be saved and I want somebody to take the Bible and show me at the altar how to be saved. And we'll do that. We want to do the most we could ever do for you. We want to pray for you. And you'd say, Preacher, please, please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about my eternal destiny. Please pray for me. Is that your prayer tonight? You're not saved. You'd like to know for sure. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? Anyone? Just slip it up and back, back down. We won't come to you. We won't embarrass you. I want to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you, and I'd love to show you the Bible how to be saved before you leave. Anyone? Anyone? Have me say, Preacher, i got a love one that's lost, breaking my heart, Now I'm not going to compromise to reach them. But I sure would like them to see Christ in my life, and I want you to pray that I'll be able to win them. Would you raise your hand on their behalf, anybody? God bless you. Yes, yes. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for this wonderful chapter we're studying and wonderful book, 1 Thessalonians. And God, we know the ultimate theme is you're coming soon. and We need to be ready. We need to be willing and yielded to the Spirit of God to be a witness in these very last days. And well, thank you for using it.